I said, come on and preach, honey. She said, now, now, honey, women, we women don't preach. We speak. I said, I don't believe a minute of that. She'd been preaching to me almost 40 years. So I love you. I love that man. (laughs) I know you do too. You know, we're celebrating women today. The men will have their time next month, but today we're celebrating women. So excited. Wasn't the 75-year celebration awesome? It was just awesome because we were celebrating what God had done, and we were celebrating what God was going to do in the future. And it's exciting. God is not finished with Oak Grove yet. God is not finished with us. We have many more years with you to see many more souls saved and to do lots of things for God. And back in January, pastor asked me, do you want to speak for Mother's Day this year? He always asks me first, or he gives me the the, um, choice if I want to select someone to speak to you for Mother's Day, and he lets me select that woman, and I appreciate that. I said, no, I don't think I will this year. It's probably going to be a hard Mother's Day. It's my first Mother's Day without my mom. And you all know that because you know me so well. And and then something just got in my spirit. And then I went back to him and I said, yes, I'm going to speak for Mother's Day. Because my mother produced two women, my sister and I, Stephanie, who married pastors. And she was a strong woman. You didn't know her like I knew her. But she exhorted both of us to do the work of God in our life. And I can remember when I was a young girl and we went off to Bible college and, you know, here I am in my early 20s and leaving my mom to go out of state halfway across the country. And my last moment with her wasn't boo-hoo, you know, it wasn't sad. My mom didn't do that. She said, go and do the work of God. And she did that to my sister. She made it easy for us to do the work of God and for us to both move and follow our husbands and do what God told us to do. She was strong. And I knew at that moment, if my mom were here, she would say, no, speak. Let the Lord use you. Don't stay home. Do the work that God wants you to do. And that's why I'm speaking today, because of her strength So I appreciate you allowing me to speak. It's a privilege, and I don't take it for granted. And I prayed and prayed for months and months, God, because, you know, there's so many things we could talk about. There's so many things as women, really, we could address. There's so much to say in the times that we live in. But as I prayed and prayed, I want to read this scripture to you. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read it real fast. You know it. You've heard it. But listen to it, and then I'm going to explain. Know that in the last days, perilous and difficult times shall come, and men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, abusive, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, false accusers, despisers of those that are good, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more 
than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away, forever learning and never able to come into the real knowledge of God. As some stood against Moses, so they will also resist the truth from you. Men of corrupt minds, reprobates concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. For the foolishness shall be manifest one day unto all men. But you have fully known my doctrine. He shifts. There's a shift right there in what he's saying, so follow me. But you have known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. So continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, personally knowing of of whom you've learned of. From a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction and righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be complete, thoroughly finished unto all good works. Now, let's set the stage here. It's Paul that's speaking, and who is he speaking to? You know, he's speaking to Timothy, and he's saying that I am facing... The worst of all the things that I've been through, of all the hardships that Paul went through, he's now in his own impending death. He's about to die. Paul's about to die. So he's encouraging Timothy to stand strong in his faith and have a complete reliance on the written word of God. And so Paul's preoccupied. He's at the bottom line. Oops, sorry. He's at the bottom line of life where he's saying, nothing really matters. I'm about to die. It's all about the gospel and the gospel continuing, the word of God continuing. He first tells us that first half was the condition of humans in the last days. Doesn't it sound like the condition of humans today? I just feel like I read exactly what we're living. And then he goes on and says, but you have the scripture. Paul is saying that the Bible comes from God and it doesn't come from man. And that the words written were breathed by God. All scripture is inspired. And so he's telling us. Look, this is a condition of things, Timothy, but you have the word. You can get through this. There is no book like the Bible, none. And I was reading and studying about if anybody even tried to write a book like near this, they can't even get close, not even the bestseller, not even any good book or anything ever in history because there's no book like it. The Bible, it's, it's consistent, it's honest. In its circulation, there's no other book that has circulated more. And it's, it's just survived all the history and all the years. How many old books are still, like, selling? Not that many. You go to old bookstores, and there's tons of old books, right? But not the Bible. It still has influence. It still has life-changing power. And when we go to the Bible, God speaks to us, and we are made complete. So today, I want to tell you that I, like Paul, want to say to you, 
Let's get to the bottom line because I could say anything today, but I want to get to the bottom line. The Bible itself gives us eternal life. It spiritually cleanses us. It gives us power against demonic spirits. And don't tell me there aren't demonic spirits working out there. They are. Through the world and the worldliness and the ungodliness, there are spirits out there. The Bible brings us power to heal our bodies. Healing your body through the scripture and through the word. I know a pastor's wife who was healed of breast cancer by reading the word. From the moment they diagnosed her, all she did was read the word, read the word, read it. She read it for a year or two until she was completely healed. Her cancer was gone. She didn't take chemo. She didn't do anything. She just read the word until she was healed. It has power. It gives us spiritual strength, and it has the power to build our faith. Now, today, in the world we live in, with our current world conditions, our quickly changing culture, and the devaluing of both our churches and Christianity, and with our immoral culture decline daily, daily I hear something new. How about you? Daily it's declining. You hear something, and it's like you think, well, we've reached an all-time low And then here it comes, lower and lower. It's declining, right? All around us. And because of that, there is such an urgency. And like Paul, if I could share anything with you today, it would be that bottom line message. Before I would leave this earth to go to heaven, what would I want to say to you? And that's what I thought. And that's what the Lord brought in my heart. And I actually have a thousand wishes for you women and men, but I don't have the time to share all of that. I would get long-winded like Pastor Ron. (laughs) So I won't share all of the thousand wishes. I'll just share the most important ones, okay? How about that? So my first slide is the Word of God. So the Word of God. All right. My wish is that each of you would read and study and learn and memorize and then share the word of God. That's my wish. Now, I'm bottom line in it now. There's a lot of things I could talk about, but I wish that you would read it. Don't just come to church and hear it once a week, but read it and study it and learn it and memorize it. And all of that, by the way, is a little selfish because that's going to build you up, which is good. But then get unselfish and go share it. Once you've read it and memorized it and learned it, go share it with someone else. Share the word of God. Where are you and I going to get the strength in these last days that are quickly coming? Where are we going to get that strength? It's only going to be through the word of God. Luke chapter 4 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You've heard this for 40 days. And he was tempted by who? The devil. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And what did Jesus say? 
It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And he's talking about the written word of God here too, and the verbal word. But the soul needs our spiritual nourishment, just like our physical body needs physical nourishment through food. How many of you are going to eat today with family? Maybe you cooked, maybe you're going to a restaurant, right? How many? Well, let me tell you, you need that physical nourishment, right? And you also need spiritual nourishment. Jesus tells Satan that he will live on obedience to the Father's written word before giving in to the appetite of his flesh. And that's what he's really telling Satan. He's saying, no, 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 it is written. I need spiritual more than I need physical. Okay, now keep that in mind and let's keep going. Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe so that you and your children and their children and their children, and it keeps going on, after they may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his commands and so that you may enjoy a long life. Keep those commands. Hear and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly. Just as the Lord promised you, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you talk about when you take a walk, when you're driving, when you're on the road, when you lie down and when you get up, talk to them about that. Tie them as symbols around your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The word, the word, the word, right? The importance of the word. Proverbs chapter 6 says, bind the words on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you wake, they will speak to you. For it's a lamp and its instructions are the way of life. John chapter 8, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the word and then truth will set you free. But you have to know the word first, right? Pastor and I just talked this week. We were talking about how when he picks Hudson up and drives him home from preschool two days a week, you know, they talk. And he goes to James River Preschool and he picks him up. And this week he told Pastor, God healed me today. And they talked about it. And we were talking amongst ourselves about how he's at that perfect age right now. We're going to start pouring in the word, the word, because he can learn it, know it, and memorize it. And that'll be the best thing we ever do for him is help him to know the word, right? And he has other godly grandparents and parents that are going to put the word in him. We're going to continue So every time he comes over, I'm going to give him a scripture now. I think he's ready. And we're going to just start pouring into him. Get the scripture in him. He gets it at church. He gets it at school. And now he's going to get it at my house. Amen. Okay. So I want you above all. If I were leaving this earth, I would say to you, know the word. Know the word. And I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to go to my second slide. I would want you to be an influencer. I want you to influence. Yeah, I wish 
while you are alive, that you would influence other people for Christ and help them make it to heaven. Everyone is going to influence someone. I was reading where sociologists say that even the most introverted of persons on this earth will influence at least 10,000 people in their lifetime. Did you catch that? Even if you're introverted, you're influencing people. It may not be good. Some of it may be good. But you're influencing people even if you do nothing. You're an influencer. As we reflect on our lives, think about how many people have influenced us. We have our parents, our Sunday school teachers, our school teachers, friends and families, and think of all the pastors that have influenced you. And and what we do and say will influence someone for good or for bad. History. Think about this. History in so many ways is a story of influencer. Did Hitler influence the world? Right? Did Ronald Reagan influence our country? And I mean, I can just go on and on to different people in history, right? Right? Think about it. Think about the godly men and missionaries that influenced who we are today. Think about Moses. Think about Abraham. Think about men of God, Noah. Think about these people, how they are influencers. They influenced a generation. They influenced the world. The Bible gives us so many stories of great influencers, right? Think about all of the women that were influenced and used. Second Timothy chapter 1 says, Remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled you, that you got from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. We're talking about Timothy here. He, he, it was in him, yeah. that word and that faith. And so he was able to be, an influ- was Timothy an influencer? Yes, because he had the word of God in him. So once you get the word of God in you, you can influence people. Now, women, we can influence our own children, our grandchildren, and we can even be spiritual mothers and influence other children. We can become surrogate mothers, Right. You can influence so many people. You know, I think about this. Look at, look at Betty Jo. She's influencing her children, but she's also influencing Hudson when she teaches him in the nursery, right? Right? I think about um, Jack and Becky Short's new grandbaby, Noble. Look at the influence they are going to have on his life for Christ. Right? You can influence people for and give them the word of God and give them a great... Um, reflection of Christ. Titus chapter 2 says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may not put to shame, having nothing evil to say about you. Isn't that powerful? You can be a good influence. Right? You know, when my kids were little all the time, we would say, use your power for the good, not the bad or the evil. You have power, but use it for the good. Now, some of your friends at school are going to use their power for the bad, but not you. Right? First Timothy 4 says, be an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. Are you that example? Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Is that what you're doing? 
Life is short. Your opportunities are limited. Don't take a single day for granted. Maximize your influence. Think about Paul. He's at the end of his life. He wants to maximize. Timothy, this is it. This is the condition of the world, and this is how you conquer. You stay in the word. You listen to God. I always think about, um, in every time I've been studying this, about Rick DeBose and his message last week. Wasn't it powerful how we carry the Christ and the word of God from generation to generation? It was powerful. We carry that. We influence the generation. Look at the genealogy of Christ and how important it is. The amount of influence that each and every person had in the life of Christ, in that lineage. It's powerful. So I'm going to end with this and say, are you a good influencer for Christ? Because that's what I would wish for you that you would know the word and that you would have influence for Christ. Amen. Next is solitude. How I wish I could get away. Actually, what I meant to say is how I wish you could get away and be alone with Christ and how I wish you could quiet yourself and just listen to God. Mothers, we need to equip our children to learn to know his voice How are they going to know his voice if they don't know how to listen? And I wrote this down. How will they get through hard times as adults if you have not taught them solitude? If you haven't taught them to pray, to spend time alone with God? Matthew chapter 6 says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Now, we're talking about biblical solitude, okay? We're not talking about like you just go and uh, get away on vacation by yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about biblical solitude. If you want to go, go to the Isle of Patmos and stay there (laughs) to write the book of Revelation and you hear from God. That's different. But I'm talking about biblical solitude. Seclusion from others but God. Now, regular solitude is seclusion from everyone, but biblical solitude is when you're away from everyone, but you're with God. And solitude is a condition of being apart from all other human beings. A few quiet hours of isolation with God that you did on purpose. And it's a willingness to withdraw from others with no music. Because, see, in this generation, I see young people, and they're like, oh, we're just going to have praise and worship. I love that if you're going to worship. But if you're going into biblical solitude, you don't need any music because you're going to be listening full blast so that you can hear from God. You're going to be sitting quietly, doing nothing, saying nothing. Remember, Joanne, I am nothing. I know nothing. I can do nothing. I need to hear from God, right? Unless God speaks, we are nothing. And so you've got to do that. Now, this is what's important about solitude is that it's voluntary and that it's intentional. Jesus always intentionally pulled himself away, didn't he? Do you, you know, you look through the word, you know the word. He pulled away from people. He pulled away. He pulled away so he could go and listen to God and spend time with God and have that solitude. And so you have got to do that. 
You've got to pull away for 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 some seasons of prayer like the Lord our God did. He's our example. Now, you know, Pastor Ron recently preached about Samuel and how he heard three times before he finally got the message, huh? Actually, it was probably the fourth, huh? It took quite a while for him to really understand how to listen to the voice of God. What does that mean? And in 1 Samuel 13, the boy Samuel ministered the Lord under Eli. So here's the story. I'm going to repeat real quick. There's Samuel and Eli. And in those days, the word was rare. One night, Eli was laying down in, an usual, in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The Lord spoke to Samuel the first time. Okay, this is the first time. And Samuel answered, here I am. And then Samuel ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Eli, did you need something? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. So then he went and lay down. And again, the Lord said, Samuel, he called out to him for a second time. And Samuel got got up and ran to Eli again and said, Eli, here I am. Are you calling me? Did you send for me or you know, call my name. And he said, my son, go back and lay down. I didn't call you. I'm not speaking to you. So for the third time, he finally went back and he laid down and he said, Samuel got up and went to Eli again and said, here I am. Did you call me? And finally, Eli realized it's the Lord that's speaking to him. He is hearing a voice, but it's not me. It's God. So then Eli gives instructions to Samuel and says, go lie down again. But if he calls you again this time, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So what shifted was that he said, start listening, listen. If it's God that's calling your name, he wants to say something, start listening. The Lord came and stood there calling Samuel. And what did Samuel say? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. And God spoke many things to Samuel as he listened. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and none of his words ever fell to the ground. And and Israel recognized that Samuel was a prophet of the Lord because he became great because he knew how to hear the voice of God. So if you don't know how to hear the voice of God, just get quietly and just listen. Three things that Samuel learned about listening that I just got out of that. He learned who to listen to, not to Eli, but God. You listen to God and God only. He learned how to listen It has to be in solitude. It has to be in a quiet time. You're not going to hear him with, you know, music blaring loud or with a 100 people around you. You've got to break apart. Like Pastor says, you have to come apart before you fall apart. He learned what to do after you listened. That's another thing he learned, which is obey. Because when he does tell you something, you're going to have to obey it. 
Hearing the voice of God requires three different actions. It requires listening, it requires God speaking, and then it requires your obedience to what he tells you. So if you don't want to obey him, you might not want to listen, because if he tells you what to do, you're going to have to obey. John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Isaiah 30 says, in your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, now walk in it. When you turn to the right or to the left, God will tell you what to do. He will tell you what job to take, what job not to take, what decision to make, when to go here, when to go there, right? If you know how to hear his voice and listen to him and obey him, you can save yourself a lot of heartache. Jeremiah 33 says, ask me and I will tell you things that you don't know and that you can't find out any other way. Ask me, ask the Lord's questions. Ask, why did this happen? Or why, why is that person that way? Maybe God will show you that there's some hurt and pain there. Ask God. We can hear God and see him actively in our lives if we just stop and listen to him. John 8 says, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Why is it so important to hear the voice of God? Time in his presence allows us to to begin to know what it sounds like. It's like a maturity, right? Your child begins to learn the word, and then as they become an adult, hopefully they will know, right? We talk about coping skills, right? Josiah is a counselor, right? Some people haven't learned that. They haven't learned how to spend time with God. They haven't learned how to have time to meditate on the word and on the Lord and how to let God handle things and not let the anxiety take us on. You can't handle the things that you go through and the things in the world. You can only do it if you lean on the Lord. Let Listen to this. Time in his presence not only helps us learn how to know the word, but it helps us, it helps guide us in decisions we make. Learn his purpose for our life. You know you have a purpose for your life. That's a whole nother sermon. You do know that you're not just passing through alive just to eat out, get fat cat, and own as much as you can. That's not what life's about, people. Okay? I got you to laugh. That was fun, (laughs) right? That's not it. He has a purpose for your life. Readily hear his warnings when we get off track. That's another thing that he helps us with. Feel his comfort when we are in distress. Be used of him to encourage others. What about that, right? Experience his love as he speaks over us. You don't know love until you know time with the Lord, right? Until you feel his presence, you hear his voice, and you know it is him. The, the, just knowing and hearing the voice of God is endless. But the bottom line is this, because I'm not going to keep you all day. Our survival and our success in this life is 100% dependent on hearing God's voice. So to end this, I want to say, when is the last time that you slowed down in a time of solitude and said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening? When? You should be doing that regularly. You should pull away from people. Next, I want to go to home. I wish 
I wish, I wish that you would make home be heaven. I want you to make your home in heaven. I want you to make it to heaven. But I want your earthly home to be a safe place of love and forgiveness as well. In Isaiah chapter 38, Hezekiah was sick. He was ill. And he was at a point of death too. Okay? Here's another person about to die. And God says in chapter 38, put your house in order. Get it in order for you are dying and you will not live. We're all getting ready. Did you know that? We're all going to die. We will all die. Everybody say that with me. We will all die. And I'm not here to discourage you, but you're going to die. It's a passage of life. We may not have much control over when we leave this life or how. It's up to God. But we do have a say in how we leave and the impact it will have on other people and on our families, right? We do. It can be a pleasant thing or it can be horrific. You have an impact on people. Psalms chapter 127, unless the Lord build your house, you labor in vain that build it. Nothing is successful when we leave God out, right? When you leave God out, nothing succeeds. But with God, everything succeeds. I know at district council two weeks ago, I was at a women's luncheon and I heard this illustration. So I'm going to just share a little section of it with you. There was this grown gal and she was driving over to her parents' house and the house was filled with people. I don't know if it was a party or what was going on, but her house was full of people or her parents' home, I should say, was full of people. She opened the front door. She went right in. She helped herself to the fridge for a drink. She sat at the table. She began eating the spread of food that was on the table, like a potluck style. People were probably wondering, who is this and what is she doing here? And she's just hogging all the food here. And, you know, people wondered. But I thought, what a beautiful depiction of God's house. You are always welcome. And you can have anything that he owns because he's your father. And you're always welcome at his home. Your kids are always welcome at your house. You can make yourself at home. Have you ever gone to your parents' house and you could just open the refrigerator? You can have cookies. You can have anything. You're entitled to whatever they have. I know Hudson is. He makes himself at home. (laughs) He goes straight for the cookies. And now he's discovered Lucky Charms. But he only likes the marshmallows. (laughs) The sugar. But... You're entitled to whatever's in the house, just like the illustration of the girl. And you know what? You always have a place at the dinner table because they are yours. They're your kids. But guess what? We're all God's children, and we all have a place, don't we? We have a place at the table of God, at the house of God. Everything he owns, we can have. It's the same way. We have that right to everything he owns. Amen? Amen. Some of you may remember when I posted this at Christmas last year. I looked up the post from last year, and I'm going to read it to you. Real quick, it says, 
you know, my kids every year are like, Mom, what do you want for Christmas? And I always say, well, I really just want you for Christmas, my kids. And this is what I really want. And I posted this. I want them to keep coming around. I want them to bring my grandkids around. I want them to ask me questions, ask me for advice, tell me their problems, ask me for help, ask me to pray about things with them. I want them to feel comfortable enough in my home to come over and relax and maybe talk about God or their life. I want them to tell me about their jobs, their concerns, their husbands, their kids. I want them to continue sharing their lives with me. I will always tell your fam. I will always tell f- my family they can raid my refrigerator. Help yourself. I really don't mind. Eat anything you want at my house. In fact, I wouldn't want it any other way. And come over unannounced to my house anytime you want. I really just want to see you joyful, healthy, and happy. Because you see, money can't buy the best gifts in life anyway. The best gifts come from God. And last year, after burying my mom, I thought, especially last year, I'm just thankful for life itself. Because you see, life itself is really the gift. It's a gift. But I want to use mine wisely. Because we all have a life, and it's short. And, and so use it wisely. It comes and it goes just like we heard Paul just talk and, and, and he quickly was coming to an end. Do you feel at home with Jesus? Do you know him that way that you can go to him with anything and sit at his table and have any of his gifts? You can have his fruit of the spirit. You can have anything, his mercy, Do you know his mercy and his grace? He is always waiting for you as a father, just like that illustration of me and my girls, right? Always, he's always there wanting you. He wants you to feel that. He wants you to come to his house, meaning this house, the church of God, and feel comfortable telling him anything. He wants you to be able to just come in. Share your heart. Tell God what's going on. Tell him about your hurts. Tell him about your past. Does your house, your home, does it reflect that? Can your kids just come home and just empty and share? Does God's house reflect that? Can we, I thank God we have altars. You can come to Oak Grove and just share with someone in confidence or with God. You can just do that, right? Just like you're a daughter of the king. Amen. Let's go to the next one, endure. Above all, I wish that you in your life, if I were going to die, I would tell you this, endure to the end. And that's what I would say to you. Endure to the end. You must endure. And everybody knows me, knows my favorite scripture is Revelation 2.10. Be faithful unto death. And then I will give you the crown of life. Now, in this scripture, God is speaking to the church in Smyrna. And he was saying, listen to this. This is a powerful statement I'm about to say. God was speaking to the church saying, do not fear death of your body. For death of the soul is so much worse. Did you get that? I get chills when I say that. Don't fear death of your body. Because the death of your soul is so much worse. 
Hebrews 10:36 says, "For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised." You need to be enduring until the end. You need that endurance. You must endure in your marriage and relationships. You must endure your children when they become teenagers. Endure your old age when you're full of aches and pains. It's hard, isn't it? Right? As you get older, the aches and pains. But endure that. Endure till the end. Endure in your relationship with God. You must have a stick with it attitude. And that's what I would tell you. Stick with it. Hang in there. I have Roger and Pat Jarman's daughter, Patty, that was here last Sunday that shared with me that, you know, she's in a master's program at Evangel University and she's right in the middle of her thesis. And she said, pray for me. It's so hard. I'm in the thick of it right now and I need prayer. And, and, you know, I always have thought that degrees were more about enduring than anything. And so I told Patty, don't give up, finish well, endure until graduation. Because that's what it's about, right? You know, it's useless if you don't endure. Finish well. Run a good race and finish. The great Pastor Denny Duran, we've quoted this, you've heard it so many times. He says, it's a long time from when you start this race until you finish it. And the devil is not in a hurry to get you. It's a long time. So hang in there, endure, keep yourself clean, keep yourself pure, hang in there. Times will get tough, but God will never leave us. Remember, we have the final victory, right? We have the victory. So have joy and enjoy the journey. But please, please endure until the end. My next thing I want to share with you that I wish for you is serving. Finally, I wish that you would become a servant of Christ while on this earth. While on this earth. You have heard that at the Last Supper there were many, many lords and only one servant. You know that story. You've heard that. They all wanted to be in charge. They all wanted to be the leader. And look at the sons. Who's going to sit next to Christ? And, and you know, Jesus was the servant of all. He was the servant of all. So you need to choose not to be proud. Choose not to always have to lead. Choose to serve rather than be served. John 12, 26 says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. Joshua chapter four says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether it's the religion of man. I'll change it up a little and make it fit our life right now. Choose whether it's the false news media, celebrities, sports icons, the culture, or false gods of this current world. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are three marks of a true servant. Okay. And as pastors, we can recognize them a mile away. They are people that are humble and not proud. They are people that are always prepared. 
You never catch them off guard because they're prayed up, ready, full of the word, and they're prepared. Yes, pastor, I'll be there. I'll help. See, you, you didn't catch them off guard. They were ready spiritually. And then the third thing is they're always willing to serve when and where needed. Oh, clean the toilets? Oh, I don't do that. I don't clean toilets. Is that a servant? No. A servant would say, sure, I will do that. And that's how you know someone's heart, right? You know, most of the staff members at our church, we try our best to start them cleaning toilets. Have you noticed that? The other day when we had, or last Sunday, we had all of them. I thought, how many of them were custodial first? Because it teaches you things that you need to learn, which is how to be a servant like Christ, a servant of all. It is an honor to clean the toilets in the house of God, right? You should be saying, oh, me? Sure, pastor, I'm honored that you would ask me. You would consider me to clean toilets in the house of God. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Are you serving Christ? Or, and are you serving others? Because you have to serve Christ and others. Now I'm in closing, so I'm about to land my airplane, okay? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I told you the things that I wish for you the most. It's the things that you mostly need to know. I wish that you do these six important things in your life so you can make it through life all the way to heaven. Because one day I'm going to be up there and I'm going to be looking for you. I'm going to be there and I'm going to be looking for you to come. And I'm going to say, oh, did they do these things? Did they serve? Did, were they humble? Did they get the word of God? Did they share Christ? Did they influence other people for Christ? Did they do these things? You know, today I selected a special song for, for us to listen to and to worship to. Everybody, please stand. Stand with me, everyone, please. What I'm going to do in closing is I'm going to invite every lady, 16 and over, to come forward. And I want you to stand around these altars. If you were one of the ladies that came to get a gift, then I want you to come to the altar. It's you that I'm talking to. I want us to worship together as women.